Hello, everyone, and welcome to the United City Greensboro podcast, a church in the heart of Greensboro with a desire to practice the way of Jesus for the renewal of all things. You can learn more about our community at unitedcitygso.com. Enjoy today's teaching. I want to tell you that it's it's an honor to be here, um, and the reason why it's an honor to be here is because um, you know when you, when you have a friend that actually asks you to do something, then chances are you're probably going to do it, right? Like it's it's a friend. Um, uh, since moving back here in August, um, we stepped away and um, began to focus on the family and focus on our finances and things like that from pastoring um, last year. And uh, this is the first time that I've actually ministered since that moment. Um, and the only person that pulled me out of that was my friend. So I want to tell you that you have a wonderful, wonderful man of God, and you should put your hands together for this wonderful man and wonderful woman of God and Pastor Spencer and Jordan. So I appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, we're going to get into this, um, and I, I, I definitely appreciate the, uh, the moment and the opportunity. Um, we're we're, we're going to get started. I was told that this is the seventh week, and um, I've been asked to speak on the prophecy, the gift of prophecy, the gift of word of knowledge and word of wisdom. And so, um, we're, as we're discussing these gifts of the Holy Spirit, I do have to start by saying that there are uh, there are about 20 uh, or more, 20 more gifts that are listed in Scripture, not to mention maybe other gifts that may not have been in Scripture. Um, but there's no way in the three hours that Pastor Spencer has allotted me. Um, come on, y'all done brought a chocolate preacher up here. We're going to preach. Come on. Um, uh, there's no way that we're going to really be able to really get and dive into prophecy and words of wisdom and words of knowledge. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to provide uh, a bit of an overview of some of the characteristics, some general definitions, and, and then we'll use some scriptures to test and weigh in um, on these gifts. Amen? Okay, a couple of other things. If I say amen, I'm looking for you to say amen. Amen? All right, we have to talk a little bit, all right? I may say, let the church say amen. You are the church. Usually I talk about the body of Christ when I say church, but every now and then I may say church, and that's you too. And if I say, let the church say amen, you're going to say amen, amen? All right, okay, here we go. Had to do a little self-check real quick. All right, um, so we're talking about the gifts. Um, I really want to um, submit to you that um, you're always in the pursuit of, of the giver of the gifts. Can we, can we make sure that we understand that? I love the fact that people are taking notes. That's a beautiful thing. I've spent the last four to five months as a seventh grade ELA teacher. Any teachers in the house? Awesome. All right, so it's good to be able to see people taking notes. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. I want you to understand that we are always in pursuit of the giver of the gifts, but, but I would submit that these gifts that we're talking about are not just things the Holy Spirit gives you. These gifts are manifestations of the Spirit. Everyone say manifestations. Yeah, so in chapter 12 and in chapter 14, manifestations of the Spirit means that God is demonstrated through us. And it's clear that it's Him, right? That we are manifestations of who He is, not His things, but His heart. So the use of of our gifts here are relational. It's relational. It's not just for me, right? It's about real life. It's about relationship with, with the living God and, and his body through, through the gift of Holy Spirit sent by a risen Christ. 
It's about surrendering his will and his work and, 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 and not of our own will or ego, but it's about pursuing him. It's about pursuing him. And then we, we go then into the chapter 13. I know you guys probably talked a little bit about that, the love chapter. Everyone knows that as the love chapter, right? The love chapter where it says, you know, um, that, that you can have all of these gifts. You can have all of these gifts, but if you don't have love, you have you have nothing. So you guys understand that, right? And, and so for some of you, you might go, okay, well, well Pastor Frankie, um, I'm going to work on the love thing. I really don't understand those gifts, and it's, it's kind of crazy. Sometimes I've seen some crazy stuff with those gifts. So we're not going to talk about those. God is sovereign. If he wants to give me a gift, he'll give me a gift. I'm just going to work on love. That should be enough, right? Right? Wrong. Holy Spirit is sovereign. But you can't just focus on love because when you move into chapter 14, verse 1, take a look at it. It says, pursue love and then earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Dang it. I just can't just love like I want to and just focus on the power of love. Love is God. Just focus on that. No. And yet Paul says, desire earnestly spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. And so we're going to get into uh, a, couple of, um, a couple of different gifts that God has given. And there's, like I said, there's a lot of them, but we want, to, we want to focus on those three, and then we're going to get you out of the way. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we thank you right now, Lord, just for all things. We thank you right now for these gifts, but we thank you because we are praising you, the giver of the gifts. We thank you right now because we realize, God, that it is you um, that, that causes us to be able to triumph. It is you that gives us life, that gives us breath. In you, we live, we move, we have our being. And so because of that, God, when we say yes to you and you give us this gift freely, you've now given us all a gift that we can use to be able to uplift and edify the body of Christ. And it's for that that I pray right now their hearts will be open to be able to receive with clarity what it is, God, which gift you have given given um, and allowing us to be able to edify each other, lift you up, and man, be able to confirm man, the things that you have done for us, increase our faith, and even convict an unbeliever unto repentance. And so we thank you right now for all things, and we just pray that the hearts are open in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So there are two commands for us in this first verse. We see, we see pursue love, right? And then secondly, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. The language of earnestly desiring the spiritual gift. That's important, right? It, it, means, it means more than just um, uh, aware of spiritual gifts existing. Um, in the Greek, the, the word for earnestly desire is zeleo, and it means to be zealous, to strive after, to exert yourself in the pursuit of something. So we want to pursue love, but at the same time, we want to strive after, exert ourselves in the pursuit of spiritual gifts. And so we want to say it with our hearts, right, and our actions, God, I want you. But, but, but I don't want just, just the things of you. I, I want you in, in total. I, that means I, I want all that you have for me, right? right? I want to be the best puzzle piece in the kingdom of God, right? I don't want your gift. I just want everything that you have for me so that I can be a puzzle piece in the kingdom. Does that make sense? And yeah, man, so Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. So, so seek him, aim after him, strive after him, seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. And, and, then, and then that means seek his way and his being. 
right? You seek his way and his being, and the spiritual gifts are manifestations of him. So you're not really pushing for a gift. Lord, I can't wait till you give me this. You're seeking him, but that also means you're striving after the gift. Amen? And it gets more interesting because Uncle Paul singles out this gift. He says, especially that you may prophesy. So today I want to look at these three gifts. There's a bit of an overlap with them, but I want you to look at the gift of prophecy, and then we're going to look at two other gifts that are very similar to prophecy as well. We're going to look at word of knowledge and word of wisdom. But these gifts are valuable in building up the kingdom of God. Okay? Amen? All right. So let's start with prophecy. Here's the world's simplest definition of prophecy. Prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation. Simple. Human report of a divine revelation. The human report of a divine revelation. When you think of prophecy, you got to get predicting the future out of your mind. Uh Uh-oh, I done seen some smiles. That means y'all was thinking that. When we say prophecy, uh uh-oh, they're going to tell me the future. Right? Right. I grew up in in the Pentecostal apostolic way. So uh, I know he talked a couple of weeks back on the different, you know, different uh, um, uh, religions or not different religions, but different denominations. And, and, and in, the, in the apostolic Pentecostal way, when somebody said uh, the prophet was coming to preach, <sighs> that was scary. Because this person was going to end up telling you about what you did last night. Right? Or, or you're scared that they're going to tell you something about your life and, uh, and they're going to shame you in front of everybody in the church building right? Some things that will happen, but that's think about when it comes to prophecy, all right? Holy Spirit may tell us some things that will happen, but that's not, that's not what prophecy means. It's a human report of divine revelation. Here's a more complicated definition if you want that uh, for some of our scholars. The spiritual gift of prophecy refers to delivering truth in a public way, either over predictive nature or as a situational word from God in order to correct, to edify, to encourage, or console believers, and or convict non-believers of God's truth. Okay? So let's discuss two things, the purpose and the practices of prophecy. Okay? And before I do that, I want you to understand two things. I want you to understand that the spiritual gift of prophecy isn't the same as spiritual teaching. The gift of spiritual teaching is different from the gift of prophecy, okay? Spiritual gift of teaching is when you take a passage of the Bible, you study it, you exergete it, right? And you're able to present that to the people by exposing and explaining the word of God. But prophecy is is what happens when God speaks, Holy Spirit reveals, and then we report. Then study, this, this came, boom, this is from God through Holy Spirit, Right? God doesn't speak directly to us. That's the reason why he sent Holy Spirit to us. He speaks. Okay? And then we report. It's a human report of a spontaneous, divine revelation. So prophecy is a revelatory gift. It's a gift that's revealed. Amen? Okay. So, so, so that's number one. Number two, the spiritual gift of prophecy, um, it's... it's it's, it's, it's the spirit, it's not like the, well, actually, it's similar to the, the spiritual gift of apostleship in the sense that the A office of apostle, it doesn't operate like it used to. Now, you're going to get into some things. Hopefully, you, were, you, were, you, you have these definitions. I don't, I don't know if you've heard of the word sensationalist. 
I'm pretty sure your leaders probably gave you the definition of sensationalists, right? Those who feel like, hey, over here, there are some gifts that have, because the scriptures have been canonized, there are some things that we don't need anymore. We don't need the office of apostle. We don't need prophets. We don't need those, all right? They don't, they're, they've ceased, okay? Then you have some on the other side where it's all about the spiritual gifts. You ain't even saved unless you have a spiritual gift, okay? I'm a little bit more on the, on, in the middle, <laughs> all right? Until God gives more revelation. And so what that means is I don't believe that the K, the capital, the, the capital A apostle, the person being defined, I don't believe that that continues in the same way that it used to in the Old Testament. I don't believe that the, the capital P as prophet, it continues as the office the way that it did in the Old Testament or, or, or during the foundations or the beginnings of, uh, of the church. Okay, um, and the reason why I say that is because um, um, there's no one that has the authority today uh, on this earth to claim to be an apostle to the point of having recorded sacred scripture. Nobody can add or take away from the scriptures that we have now. Bible tells us that, makes it clear. Okay, no one has the authority to be able to add to that or take that away. However, the spiritual gifts in these areas still remain. Does that make sense? Spiritual gifts will continue to, they will continue to flow until Jesus comes back, okay? And so there's a difference between the um, office of and the gifts of these, these particular spaces. Does that make sense? Okay? In the Old Testament, here's the reason why I believe that. In the Old Testament, um, if the capital B prophet, capital P prophet, if, if he was to prophesy, if he was to prophesy and it didn't come to pass, what would happen to him? He did. Why? Because, because he said God said this and it didn't come to pass. And they believed that God said this and now you pretty much lied on God. You got to go. Because you're in that office. Your responsibility is to proclaim God's word. And that's what we saw in the Old Testament, right? Because you had to speak objectively from God. It didn't, if it didn't come to pass, that means you lie. There was no room for someone to claim that office and lie about God's word. But in the New Testament, when we look at the spiritual gift of prophecy, we are actually called to test them. Test the prophecies. Weigh in on the prophecies. Okay? We're told in the scriptures that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So there's a difference between the office of and the gift of. And we don't define ourselves by our spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts manifest in the lives of the believer. Amen? Now I'll explain more on that. Okay? Um, so let's look at the purpose of prophecy. Very easy to see. As Paul teaches in, in chapter 14, we see that Paul compares uh, the importance of spiritual gifts of tongues uh, to the spiritual gifts of prophecy. And he's doing this because tongues became a hot topic in, in Corinth. Okay? If you, you spoke in tongues, you, you got a chance to move up in the hierarchy. What? You're speaking in tongues? Oh, no, no. Come on. You're welcome. You know, it's kind of like, oh, you're a pastor? Come on up to the front. You get to come to the front, right? Everybody else sitting in the back. It's almost like this, this different dichotomy, which is weird. Um, but, 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 but if you spoke in tongues, oh, yeah, you were, you were high up. You were high in rank. And Paul was like, wait, 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 wait. Y'all are missing the point of gifts. You're missing the whole thing. And that's the reason why in chapter 12 he goes back and says, let's talk about the body for a second. 
Do you understand that the hand and, and the leg, they're different and feet are different, but you need the whole body in order to be one. Many members, one body, right? Like the leg is not going to trip on the, on the hand because the hand can grab. Like if that happens in a body, then they call that a dis-ease, right? And so he had to go in and say, no, you're missing the point of gifts. That can't happen, all right? The purpose of spiritual gifts is to build up the church. But if we're going to assign under the importance of gifts, if we're going to assign something as, as, as important, then prophecy trumps them all. Why? Because the tongue speaker is only edifying personally unless there's an interpreter. Because nobody else knows what you're talking about. Real talk, right? Right? But, but prophecy, prophecy, if you speak a prophecy, the whole church can be built up. Okay? And so if this gift of prophecy is operating in church, it means that believers are built up. It means that, that a non-believer, someone who doesn't know Jesus, can walk into a gathering of Jesus' people and the secrets of his heart, Paul writes, are disclosed. Non-believers, they can have a come-to-Jesus moment. They can say, I, I know without a doubt that something is different about this gathering. They can fall on their faces, they can repent, and they can come now under the understanding and the lordship of who Jesus Christ is in their lives. Okay? And that's the reason why we come together in fellowship and in community. It's, it's not to create church growth models. It's, it's not to get rich, right? What your leadership doesn't want um, is they don't, they don't want to build something within their own strength. Understand this. They don't want to build something within their own strength. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by his spirit, right? It's seeing what God can do with believers who are sold out, who are surrendered to his authority in their lives, who are spiritually living, who are growing, who are loving each other, and they're becoming healthy witnesses in a world that's starving for the need of a savior. This is what your leadership desires. And this is what the gathering should be seeking. To have music is great, right? I love music. Music is the bomb. I just said bomb, didn't I? Okay, yeah, I just let y'all know how old I am. My bad, right? To have bomb music is great. To, to, to always have food is amazing. It's a wonderful thing. I love food. I love to eat. But what separates a gathering of people from a gathering of worshipers is that there's an expectation that when they gather, God is in the midst of them. That something extraordinary, extraordinary, right, can happen with ordinary people when God is really among them. Can you say amen? So Paul writes in verse 2, one who speaks in tongues speaks not of man, but to God, for no one understands him. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, consolation. The one who prophesies builds up the church. So here's the purpose of prophecy. Upbuilding, encouragement, consolation. That means comfort. Building up the church. Building up the body of believers. Okay? 
Now, we also see in the New Testament that prophecy is used to present warnings to Jesus' people. Um, Paul writes a letter to Timothy. We see that, that prophecy is used to impart other spiritual gifts. And later in this chapter, we see prophecy used by God to convict unbelieving souls to repentance. So the spiritual gift of prophecy, people of God, um, is a massively important gift that should be especially desired among the gifts because of its effect that it has on Jesus' people. It should be desired. It's like, like, like earnestly desired. Like, um, I, th I think I read in an article uh, this week that a theologian said, if you're not earnestly desiring spiritual gifts and the gift of prophecy especially, then you're being disobedient to the authoritative word of God, the, to the authoritative word of God. I was like, dang, mess me up. Because I've never really prayed like, Lord, hey, I just want to be available for the, for the gift of prophecy. I've never prayed like that, right? So that, that was an ouch and amen moment, right? It's a powerful gift, okay? I remember when I first um, got introduced personally live to a prophet. Um, I had some things before God. I was seeking God um, in my prayer closet. We say prayer closet in the Baptist way. I, you know, I'm in my prayer closet. I wasn't really in a closet, y'all, but I was actually in my little secret place. And I said some things specifically to God. We ended up going to a revival. They probably have no idea what revival is. A little bit, okay. Y'all know what a revival is? Okay, amen, good, good. Went to a revival, and, um, and, and, the, and the pastor was there, and he, and this is when I first got a chance to see prophecy and even got a chance to see some word of knowledge and word of wisdom all together, which was amazing. Um, he, he, he preached to the people, and he prophesied to the people to build and lift them up. But then he would start calling different ones. You, I want you to stand up. You, I want you to stand up. All right? And here we go. I told y'all that was scary to us, right? Okay, so I stand up, and he begins to start giving me information. And it was information that I already knew, but I never knew him because he was out of town. I, I, he, he came from out of town. I, I never got a chance to personally meet this guy. Um, but he started giving me information about stuff that he knew that I had said, and it tripped me out when he started talking about the stuff that I was saying in my secret prayer. Like, it, it flipped me out because I know that nobody else was there. <laughs> it, it, it threw me. It, it, it threw me. So, so he confirmed things in my life. Then he confirmed my secret prayer. He's heard you. He got done. He, he said, okay, okay, sit down. I, I want you to know God is, he's heard you. And then he says, okay, sit down. And then he continues on. And I'm like, what in the world, bro? You know, I'm like tripping right now. And so I thought it was interesting because I believe specific things in my life. I saw these things happen, but it had never happened to me. It had never happened to me. But I prayed that God would confirm my unbelief in some areas. And then I went to this service, right? And so these things were confirmed in a, massive, in a massive way. And so it helped me understand the Holy Spirit sees, right? He didn't tell me anything that I didn't know, but it was almost like Holy Spirit said, you know, I just want you to know supernaturally that the body of Christ is connected. I want you to know that the bloodline of Christ, the bloodline of Jesus, and with all of us in here, the bloodline of Jesus is thicker than our own natural family. And the way that I'm going to show you is I'm going to bring someone in that you've never met before, and they're going to confirm everything from your secret prayers. 
gifts of prophecy. It's real. Okay? That night, it built up the church, but specifically, Holy Spirit, through this vessel, built up my faith. So prophecy keeps you connected to the frequency of the Father. Okay? It, it, um, it, it, it helps you discern when there's, there's too much noise, um, when, there's, you know, when social media is running rampant in your head. It helps you, the distractions that may cloud your communication with God. Paul says, it's because of this that we should earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. So, so what about the practice of prophecy? How do we, um, how do, what do we need to know about how to prophesy? How to prophesy. Three main things I want you to see. First off, I want you to see that prophecy is to be practiced in an orderly way. Got to have order, Okay. Order in the church. This is important for the church body because it's important to God. Prophecy, like any other gift given, um, it's not about euphoria. It's not about being out of control. Okay? Yes, there are some spontaneous and overwhelming times, um, but you should be able to control it. Okay? I think of it, I think of it this way, because I also think about uh, Holy Spirit this way as well. Um, I play basketball. When we talk about the winning team, and there's five seconds to go, and there's boots, two, all of a sudden, there's a pass that goes to the wing, and the guy shoots, two, one, and boom, and it goes in. Everyone on the winning side of that college or NBA team, what are they going to do? No, you can talk. It's okay. What are they going to do? They're going to jump. Everybody? Winning team. All of them are going to jump up? Every single person in there that, that is on the winning side, they're going to jump up? No, they're not. Some of them are going to go and they're going to be like, oh, my God, that's so wonderful. Yes, that's so wonderful. They're going to be high-fiving. Yeah, all right, that's wonderful. Right? Then you're going to have somebody who's on the winning time that's going to go. That was a good shot, man. See that? That was great. All right? Then you're going to have some person that's going to say, all right, we won. Where's my coat? You know? All right? And they're going to walk out. Do you ever see anyone saying, why aren't you yelling and screaming? How come you're not yelling and screaming? Do you realize that we just won? What are you doing? Do you ever see that? Do you ever see anyone saying, those people over there are absolutely crazy right now. Like, you don't need to do all of that. It doesn't take all of that. Right? You may have some people that do that. I don't know. But my point is this. Everyone is happy. Everyone is on the same team. Everyone has an excitement, but they don't show it all the same. You're not going to look at this member over here and say, Ugh, I can't believe you're doing that. Why? Because we all, our team just won. And the joy that I have, I may not express it the way you do. But I know that we're on the same team. And the joy that I have, the world didn't give this to me. So I have to take it spiritual now, right? The world didn't give this joy to me. But the way that I express it may be different from my, my brothers and sisters who are part of the body of Christ who didn't express, they don't express it the way I do. But I'm not going to judge them if they don't, and they shouldn't judge me if I do. We're all on the same team. But, but Paul does say this, and we learn.
fruits of, there is a fruit of the spirit, right? And God does give us self-control. Hello. So he gives us self-control so that, so that we're not overly charismatic and out there. But then at the same time, we're not so down to the point where we, we don't even understand or can express the nature of God. Does that make sense? Okay. And so it's important for us to be able to understand that. The Lord has actually given us, when, when we're prophesying or speaking in tongues, the ability for us to stop prophesying and to stop speaking in tongues. Okay? He's given that to us. Um, and he's given that to us because he wants us to wait for each other. It's not meant to cause confusion. Self-control is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. So we, so we have a responsibility to control these things, that we have, these gifts that we have been given. And so we see this in verse 29 and 32, where Paul specifically calls for those with a prophetic uh, gift to wait, go one at a time, subject what is said to each other. And people of God, these are simple instructions. These are simple instructions in order uh, to save so much confusion, right, in the gathering and allow the gifts to fully operate without suspicion or being quenched or restriction. And so the gifts must operate in an orderly fashion, which means that we have to look at the scriptures on how, you know, how the gifts are to function and then submit ourselves one to another. Amen? All right, so they must be orderly. Prophecies also have to be tested and weighed. Everyone say tested and weighed. Verse 25, we're told, or excuse me, 29, we're told to weigh into prophecies. In verse 32, we're told that the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And that's the same instruction that we also have in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, right? Where the apostle Paul writes, uh, uh, don't quench the spirit. He says, don't quench the spirit and do not despise prophecies or treat them with content, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. See, the, the temptation for us sometimes um, is, is that, um, you know, because the gifts can be disorganized or they can be perverted a little bit or we've seen some crazy stuff or don't understand some stuff, the temptation sometimes is for us to actually ignore it completely, right? I, I don't even want to get involved in that, Okay. This is called despising prophecy. And it's disobedient to the authority of the Bible. So don't despise prophecy, but here's what we're called to do. Test it. Weigh in on it. Test everything. Anyone operating today with the spiritual gift of prophecy is called to radical humility. Radical humility. Say radical humility. Practice radical humility um, by Wayne Dyer. He says, practical, ra ra practice radical humility when it comes to your own accomplishments and give credit everywhere except to your ego. The gift is not about you. The gift is not about, it's not, it does not define you. It's not about you. If you've been given a gift of prophecy, then you've been given the gift for the good of the kingdom, okay? Um, if you have the gift of prophecy and you are to speak a word, then actually, actually you are to desire that others test it. That's a good thing, right? Test it, weigh in, discern in, um, uh, according to the scriptures. And the reason that we have to test and weigh and discern gifts, especially prophecy, is because prophecies have three parts. Prophecies have three parts. My spiritual father, Pastor Martin Johnson, taught us that prophecy has three parts. The first part is revelation. Someone say revelation. 
The second part is inter interpretation. You say interpretation. And then the third part is application. You say application. Revelation, interpretation, and application. Revelation is what the Word does. It's what Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit is, uh, Revelation is what Holy Spirit does, and it's perfect. There's no error in it. Okay? There's no error when Holy Spirit speaks. Holy Spirit is, it, literally, it's, it's almost as if he downloads from God into us. Jesus said, listen, I'm gone, but I'm going to bring back a comforter. All right? The comforter is going to teach you. It's going to lead you. It's going to guide you into all things. So anything that I give you is coming from him. So, so Holy Spirit is flawless. Okay? Because God is perfect and Holy Spirit cannot speak in error. The problem is, remember our simple definition? Right? The spiritual gift of prophecy is human report and divine revelation. And when it comes to our ability to filter the perfect word of God, we're terrible filters at times. Right? Right? All kinds of things can distort our hearing, right? Our feelings. Our feelings can get in the way. I'm all up in my feelings. Yep. Right, home of origin issues can end up distracting us. We can't hear the frequency of the Father because of some things that happened in our past, right? So when we interpret what's been said or, or what's been shown, we have to acknowledge that it may contain error. This is why we test prophecy. This is, this is why, because it's not just divine revelation. That's what the scriptures is, right? That's what the scripture is. It's divine revelation. Bible is a standard, all right? This is what we test everything by. It's the objective revelation word of God. But Holy Spirit reveals it and then we interpret it, uh, if you have, apply it to our lives. So it must be tested and weighed. And if you, have a prophecy, uh, if you have a prophecy and you believe in your heart that the Lord has given it to you, then you need to offer it in a way for people to test it, weigh it, and make the decision to follow. Amen? Okay. Um, if we use the phrase, the Lord said. Haven't you heard someone say, thus saith the Lord. You know, the Lord told me. Have you heard that? Right? If you're going to use it, I'm not going to tell you not to use it, but here's what I will say. If you are going to use it, allow others to test it and weigh it. If you are going to use it, then what you're saying should add up to what the scripture says. Because the only way that you know that you're going to have God's truth 100%, his word 100%, is if it's found in the word of God. Amen? It has to be 100% truthful. It's found in Scripture. Okay? Far too often, we don't see Christians make some, some, some decisions in life because we, because us, we want to do something. We want to do it our way. So we say, the Lord told me. Lord told me to buy that car. He was the one who told me to buy that Maserati. Lord told me to marry that woman or marry that man, right? And we don't give space for people to weigh in and test into it. Right. It's almost used kind of like abuse. We've seen this in counseling. Right. You know, well, you know, the Lord told me to. OK, well, you know, mess me up now as, as a pastor trying to speak into your life because my arms are too small to box with God. If the God told you, then I, who am I to say something? Right. So you've 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 blocked me from being able to test or or weigh it because you're saying that God said this. Told you to buy a Maserati. Yeah, right. If you can't afford the monthly note, then you better question what voice that is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I just snapped out. Okay. Um, the church has to become a safe place for the operation of the gifts. Okay. 
And when I say the church, I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. If we're not able to practice learning more about our gifts, practice with each other. If I believe that God has given me a word and I can't practice without you policing me or canceling me. We can't let cancel culture in the church. Sorry, I threw that out. Okay? Because we have to learn and grow within the gifts. All right? And there may be times when we mess up and that should be okay. Hear me. There are times when we may mess up trying to understand my gift. And, and it's okay because there should be radical humility within the body. There's a way to be able to say, hey, I appreciate that you gave me that, that word of that part right there, wisdom. Um, can we go over in the corner somewhere? I just want to let you know um, that part right there was actually true. This part right here was a little confusing to me. Um, I didn't want to cause any open embarrassment or anything like that. But can you give me a scripture just where you got that from? <laughs> And the person who gives that shouldn't be embarrassed. They should want that. They should desire that. Just as much as a person over on this side that is saying, I got to give it to you. Like either way it goes, that's radical humility for both. That's how we practice. And that's how the church is actually being built up and matured. And it grows into this healthy, vibrant space. Amen? Amen. Okay. So prophecy is to be practiced orderly. It's supposed to be tested and weighed. And here's the third thing. Prophecy is supposed to be practiced without Fear. It's supposed to be practiced without fear. I put this in just to reiterate that we need to be a people who are bold to step out and use the gifts when we know or we think we have them. And then also as body, the body of believers, we should be gracious with each other as we learn to operate in the gifts together. Amen? Okay. I'm going to close up. It's not going to go three hours. Just to close with words of knowledge and words of wisdom. We hear the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and 8. It says, uh, where Paul says, to one is given the gift of wisdom through the spirit and another, the word of knowledge um, through the same spirit. Um, I like the Amplify version. Um, it says, to one is given uh, the Holy Spirit, the through the Holy Spirit, the power to speak. Okay? Power to speak the message of wisdom, and, and to another, the power to express the word of knowledge and understanding according to the same spirit. So, so both of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom are like prophet, uh, like prophecy. They're they're rele they're relevatory in nature, um, and these relevatory gifts. So sometimes this gets mixed. I want to I want to reiterate this. Sometimes people think that the gift of knowledge is just the ability to hold information. Right? Wow, you got the gift of knowledge because you're just so smart. <laughs> right? Uh, or, or, or wisdom. Wow, you just, man, it just seems like, you know, you just practice so much on how to be able to do things, or you say, you say the right things, and you, you, know, you just, how, where did you get that? Well, you know, I, I was taught for 20 years, and I got this experience in this, and so, oh, wow, that's not word of knowledge, that's not word of wisdom, okay? The Greek word for, for logos, and, and, I'll, and I'll say this too, um, this is important. One writer writes that the use of the Greek word logos prefaces um, both wisdom and knowledge. It suggests that these gifts are situational communications given by Holy Spirit that moment. You didn't train for this. Okay? So we're not talking about people who are knowledgeable about the Bible, knowledge for us, God, but we're talking about a word that comes from God as wisdom or knowledge for a specific situation. 
And here's some verse context just so you can respect the content. In 1 Corinthians 13, 2, Paul talks about knowledge alongside of prophecy and faith. In, in verse 13 and 8, knowledge is linked with tongues and prophecy to make the point that spiritual gifts are going to always operate until Jesus comes back. Right? Also, the word of knowledge and wisdom, they're also like prophecy. They do need to be tested. They need to be weighed. But, but look at the definition. Um, as, and I found this one. This was cool because they did put them together. Word of knowledge and wisdom are human expressions of divine revelation about an issue that needs to be dealt with or a word of encouragement or situational insight in which someone with the gift supernaturally directs another believer on how to walk in God's way and will for that moment. So I can't use the word always, but, but what you will find is that prophecy tends to be more public and outward. Words of knowledge and words of wisdom seem to be more one-on-one -on -one directive. Okay? Not always. Word of knowledge is more informational. It's the what. Okay? And the Holy Spirit speaks the what, all of a sudden you realize, oh, he really, he really does see. Like, he really does understand. When, he, when someone comes to you and they say something, it's like, oh, God really is with me. He knew exactly what I needed yesterday. And he brought somebody to me today and confirmed what I needed yesterday. Wow. It's like a tangible touch. The word of wisdom is directional or application. It's, it's the when and the how. That this is going to happen, but it needs to happen at this moment. Okay? So if you have a word of knowledge or word of wisdom for somebody, you may or may not know who that person is, all right? But you may be the one that if whatever it is that he gives, whatever Holy Spirit reveals to you, you got to say it because you may be the one that waters or you may be the one that plants for God to do the increase, which is why we need to have the boldness to work in our gifts. It's so important, guys, that we work in the gift that God has given us, okay? We see evidence of both of these um, all over the New Testament, especially in the ministry of Jesus, because, um, because the power of Jesus um, was, was, was actually, the power that, that Jesus walked in was actually the Holy Spirit. And this is the same power that's in us. Um, right? A lot of times, then we see a lot of times that there were times where Jesus would, it's like he knew their thoughts. Right? He knew what they were thinking. Um, Matthew 9, what was going on in their lives. Like, how did he know, how did he know what they were thinking? Um, Matthew 9, 1 and 8, uh, Luke 6, 6 through 11, 9, 46 and 48. Jesus is described as knowing the thoughts and intentions of other people. And so he calls Nathaniel um, in, first, in, uh, in John 1 and 23, uh, without ever meeting him, he knows his character. Without ever meeting him. And in the spirit, Jesus actually saw him sitting under a fig tree. And confirms his ministry, confirms his calling. In 1 John um, 4, Jesus meets a woman at the well. We know the story of the woman at the well, right? He knows all of, her, all of the sins of her life, and she goes away describing him as a man who knew all that she ever did. Okay? And it didn't stop with Jesus, but the disciples received power at the, after the Holy Spirit had come upon them. And, and, and the spiritual gifts of, of words of knowledge and, and wisdom continued in the lives and the ministries of his disciples. We saw it with Peter, with Ananias and Sapphira. They lied. They were supposed to end up giving everything, and they kept some of it for themselves. They got selfish. Peter, Peter comes in and both, looked at both of them, and boom, he knew exactly that, that they had lied to the Holy Spirit. Told him exactly when and where they were going to die. I, I, I don't want this to get spooky, 
but it did happen if you believe the word of God. Okay? So these gifts are absolutely important. Philip, given a word of knowledge about an Ethiopian eunuch. We've heard the story about the evangelist Philip. He baptized the, the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, he led him to salvation. And then the Bible tells us that after Philip, uh, after that, Philip literally turns into a Marvel superhero and he teleports into another city. I like spiritual gifts, but I think teleporting should actually be another gift that we should have. Like, literally, it was like he disappeared and he goes into another city. It's like, where did he go? All right? Wouldn't it be cool if God could use us to tell him? Okay, never mind. That'd be good. All right. So I, I've experienced both, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, especially you see a lot of it is in, in counseling. A lot of times when someone is there, it's, it's so amazing. And as you speak to, to, in a powerful moment to have a conversation with someone that you may or may not know, and, and as you're speaking, the Lord just drops something in your spirit that's going to be able to help. It's amazing. It's like, it's like, wow, right? Something that's going to encourage or lift, uplift or, or confirm, right? I mean, it, seem, it seems like when those moments happen, the power of God enters the room and, and the whole conversation shifts. It's like, it's like there's, they're more open. They're more honest. God is present with us. There's a spontaneous information that's presented that becomes confirmation for the believer to increase their faith or the conviction of a non-believer to, re to repentance. Okay, um, I'm about to close. Um, musicians, you guys can come up as well. Um, in a moment, I'm going to ask that if you desire the gift um, of prophecy or you think you might have it or the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom, I'm going to ask you to stand and hopefully we'll be able to pray with you. Um, but a couple of more practical things before we do that. Um, I want to talk to people who uh, may feel like, um, I feel like I have these gifts, but, I, but maybe these are some hints that help you understand that, that maybe you're flowing in this and you may not know. Okay? You're probably a person who has a, a certain sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in your life. You're, you're probably a person who already knows certain things or expressions um, you have you, that are from God. And, and I don't want to take that for granted. I don't want you to take that for granted uh, because everyone doesn't have that. You might think, oh, well, chances are everybody has that. So you, you don't think anything of it or you dummy it down. Okay? Do you experience bringing insight into a situation and you don't know how you knew it, but, but it resulted in the release of some kind of a calm or clarity in someone's life, right? Maybe settling a question or revealing a way that, um, a way for them that they've never even considered. If you've experienced those things in life, doesn't matter whether you call it word of wisdom or word of knowledge, but if you're experiencing those type of moments in, in your life, then you're probably operating in the gift and you, you're not aware of it. Some people get words of knowledge and wisdom and, and prophecy in the form of, of visions. If they see a person in a vision and then all of a sudden they see them the next day. Okay. They see things before it happens. Some people see a single word and, and, and uh, visually in their minds and some of them have described it like a ticker tape that it just word pops up or a phrase just pops up and it just keeps going, keeps going. And then all of a sudden the next person that they talk to, if they don't say those words, they feel like, oh, I'm, I'm holding something. I need to say it. And those words are exactly what that person needs. 
Some people have vivid colors, vivid images um, while in prayer and dreams, and those colors and those images actually mean something. They could be warnings. They could, they could present danger, which is why you have to have the boldness to use your gift because lives may be saved. Formula for this, but I, there's no rhyme or reason when it comes to, or a formula for this, but I, but I think one of the things that happens in our gatherings is that some of us, have, we have these gifts, but we just think that we have an overreactive imagination. Or it's just kind of weird. This is, this is the way I've always been. All right? We have these gifts, but we have never really slowed down to just acknowledge and pray into them and ask God to, to clarify them so you can intentionally appropriate them in your lives. I think we have now a, a, a message and a, a series that helps you lean into God on this now. To understand that when you have Holy Spirit, you have everything that you need to be successful in the kingdom of God. The harvest is plentiful. We've got a lot, a lot of work out there to do. The world needs a strong and healthy church to be bold and have the courage to live out and share the gospel message. If you are in Christ, you have what it takes to be an example, a child of God. You have the power of Holy Spirit to lead people to Christ. You have the power to be a witness. The kingdom needs you stepping out on faith, courage, and boldness, operating in your gift. I can sense that there's a lot of, of, of believers in here that that need to utilize their gift. Got to utilize it. Okay, let me say this. Anytime a man or woman of God that's speaking into, into your life gets elevated, they're getting elevated in the kingdom not to do work alone. It wasn't by chance that you received a new building. In that building means that you're going to be in a new environment, a new zip code. In the zip code, you better believe that there's going to be work that will need to be done. And it won't just be by your leadership. If you are not utilizing your gifts and the talents that God has given you, then it will be hard for you to be effective in the space that God has elevated your leaders to. But he didn't elevate them by himself. He elevated them so you can be elevated. So that zip code needs you. This, this gathering needs you operating in your gift. And some of you have been scared for a while, wondering, what is this? God, what is this that you've given me? It's time to lean in, grow, and earnestly desire the things of God in your life. Amen.